We are uh, continuing our series uh, through the fruit of the Spirit. We've been uh, working on a series, and let's take a moment to uh, just to pray. Uh, Father, we, God, thank you, God, that you speak, and um, and God, I thank you that that um, you just want to do so many amazing things, God, in us. So God, help us to hear your voice, uh, whatever is appropriate for today. In Jesus' name, Amen. Amen. Let me uh, read the uh, main passage here. Famous passage from Galatians chapter 5. It says, The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. And uh, we've been sort of going one by one, but today we're going to hit two of them, both kindness and goodness, because they're actually very similar, and there's a bit of danger if you separate these two, as we'll talk about in a moment. Uh, The word kindness basically means benevolence and graciousness. Uh, The Greek word goodness means constructive action reaching out to to others. Or perhaps more of a simple definition is kindness is doing good in this world, or goodness has to do with kind actions for the benefit of another. And um, goodness has to be combined with kindness. And sometimes we, when we think about good or doing good or being good, sometimes folks can be tempted to separate that from kindness. Uh, there are those folks, I mean, you just got to look at, say, the Pharisees, who you know, would say that they were good and did a lot of good and were good, but were actually very unkind. And if you get sucked into negative religion, you can end up thinking you're doing a lot of good, but you also at the same time are actually not very nice (laughs) or you're very unkind. The idea of the fruit of the Spirit and goodness can never be separated with kindness. If you are filled with goodness and doing good, you will always, always be kind. And so it's important to to notice the connection between these two. I mean, an example of these two would be Romans 15 where it says, each of us must consider his neighbor's good for the purpose of building him up. And both goodness and kindness, in a sense, have to do with with an outwardness towards others. And sometimes when we think about, you know, the, the fruit of goodness, sometimes, again, people can make the mistake of like, it just means me being good and doing good. And, and sometimes that makes people kind of grumpy or unkind because they just, you know, the, you know, the goody two-shoes in school who was always just worried about being good but was actually not very nice to others or whatever. Uh, they are related and they're, they're very outward. An, an example of this would be Acts 9. It says in Joppa, there was a disciple named Tobiatha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas, which I always kind of laugh inside when I read that because it's like Dorcas. Like who would name their kid Dorcas? It's kind of a dorky name. Um, but who knows? Like things change a lot in 2,000 years. I mean, maybe in 2,000 years, or if you're like, Jesse, who would name their kid Jesse? <laughs> so funny. I mean, language changes in 2,000 years. And by that, was written in Greek, so who knows if that even works. But anyways, Dorcas, uh, she was always doing good and helping the poor. And that, and that is kindness. That is good. That is the fruit of kindness and goodness in action. And helping the poor is, is to be a big part of our faith. And there's this tendency sometimes, especially in sort of the evangelical side of faith, to, to not help the poor. 
but it was actually the one thing. You remember when, when Paul and, and his buddy went out on their mission trip? It was the one thing the early church asked was, please remember the poor. And so what Leslie is talking about and Dorothy are working on to help the poor, that is to be a huge part of our faith, is to help those in need. And, and of course, Tobiatha was someone who was acting out this kindness and goodness. Uh, perhaps one of the best stories that Jesus told that describe goodness and kindness is the story of, of the Good Samaritan. And, uh, and Jesus tells this story to some sort of negative religious folks who were, who were not really wanting to help those outside of their own little, own little bubble. And he says a Jewish man was traveling from Jerusalem down to Jericho, and he was attacked by bandits. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him up, and left him half dead beside the road. By chance, a priest came along, and this was supposed to be the, the, the priests were the heroes, and they were like the pastors, you know, the, the religious folks of the day. But when he saw the man lying there, he crossed to the other side of the road and passed him by. That's not kindness, and that's goodness. Yeah, we can have the tendency to do that sometimes and, and because we're so busy, there's a lot going on, or I got to get to this meeting, or I got to get to this thing, and, and therefore we, we just pass those folks by. And then a temple assistant walked over and looked at him lying there, but he also passed by on the other side. Opportunities for kindness, opportunities for goodness. And I don't know about you, but I think one of the biggest things that gets in the way of me being kind and good to people is, is my busyness. Is one of the things that affects us most. We have so little margin, some of us, that when opportunities come up to help somebody, it's like, I just don't have time. Or I'm so, I just, I got all these things going on. And my phone's always ringing and dinging and messages. And I mean, how do we have time to be good and kind to, to, to folks? I mean, it's one of those things we've got to watch in our life that there's this idea of at least building in some sort of margin. So when you run across that person on the road that's not in your schedule, you don't end up being the priest or the temple assistant and saying, I just don't have time because I got to get somewhere. That's Jesus didn't make an excuse for these guys and saying it's okay because they had to get somewhere. They weren't the heroes of the story because they passed by on the other side. Then a despised Samaritan came along and uh, the word despised Samaritans in there because the Jewish and the Samaritan folks did not get along at all. And Jesus is talking to a Jewish person because they were making this excuse that I don't have to help people that I don't like. But the Samaritan then was being, being the hero of the story. And when he saw the man, he felt compassion for him. And this is a part of kindness and goodness, is his ability to have compassion for people. And compassion for people who look differently than you, who have a different faith than you, who have a different background than you, are different economic status than you, to have compassion for people because every single person is made in the image of God. And when they're hurting, that ought to move our heart. And this is a, one of the constant phrases we see in the Gospels is Jesus had compassion on them. And, uh, and, and we're to do that as well. And so going over to him, the Samaritan soothed his wounds with olive oil and wine and bandaged them. Then he put the man on his own donkey and took him to an inn where he took, where he took care of him. The next day he handed the innkeeper two silver coins telling him, Take care of this man. If this man, if the bill runs higher than this, I will pay you the next time I am, I am here. And of course, Jesus was using this as a story of us loving 
our neighbor, and our neighbor is not just the people we like, but our neighbor is that person who is hurting, that neighbor is whoever we run across who is in need, and we need to have that margin to be able to, 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 to carry out this, this idea. Now, God, by nature, is kind and good. And uh, as we've been going through this series, we, we just look at all of these things describe God. He is patient, and He is love, and He is peace, and he is, he is kind, and He is good. As Psalm 34 says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Blessed is the one who takes refuge in Him. Uh, the very definition of love, which is agape love, which is God's love, has this idea of love is patient and love is kind. And again, we, we talked about this with patient, that, that when Paul is trying to destry, describe what love is, you know, what does love look like? What does God's love look like? The very first word he uses is patience. And the very second word he uses is kind. That God is patient and he is kind. And again, this can be hard, harder to grasp for some folks if you've grown up, up in certain traditions where God is kind of the grumpy master up in heaven who is checking his list and checking it twice and going to find out if you're naughty and nice and, you know, kind of the, the, the grumpy God figure up there. And he's anything but kind because I've got to be careful because if I do something wrong, he's going to send lightning down and burn me up or whatever it might be. God is kind and he is good. And that's what he is saying here. Ephesians 2 7 says, God can point to us in all future ages as an examples of the incredible wealth of his grace and kindness towards us, as shown in all he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. That there is a wealth of kindness in God coming your way. As a wealth of goodness in God that is coming your way. That God is is so very, very good, and he is so very, very kind. Uh, we just sang this song, The Goodness of God, which again says, in all my life you have been faithful, and all my life you have been so, so good. With every breath that I am able, oh, I will sing of the goodness of God. You know, this song is very hard to sing if you don't understand that God is good, or you don't understand that he is kind. Or, I mean, for a lot of folks, this, this song can be difficult if maybe you've had tragedy that happens or, you know, because you think, well, why did God allow this to happen? You know, maybe, maybe there was an accident or something horrible. It's a lot of trauma in your life. It's like, and, and you try to sing this, but you can't sing it because you, it's like, you know, all my life you have been so, so good, but you haven't been good because I went through this and this happened. And, 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 and this has this idea that God is somehow like ultimately... <laughs> like a controlling God, that he controls everything that happens on this planet, and because he didn't control this thing, then how can he be good because he didn't control this thing? And it's, it's a mix-up on the very nature of God. That God's first deal is not control. His first deal is love. And love by nature doesn't control. I mean, I couldn't say I love my wife if I controlled every action, every move that she did, and I just controlled it. She'd be like a puppet. She'd be a robot. She wouldn't, that's not love. Love by nature does not control, and God is by nature love. God does not control everything that happens on this earth. There are other, other forces at, at work. If there's something that is good and full of love, then we know that's God. If we, something that's not good and not full of love, then we know it's not God. In fact, Jesus said this very same thing. He says, the thief comes only to steal, steal and kill and destroy. 
I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. And so if there's anything going on that has to do with stealing and killing and destroying, uh, that's not God. You said that's, that's the enemy, that's the fallen world, or that's you know, other people acting in their free will or whatever it is. But if there's something that has to do with life and love and goodness, then that is God. And so when you understand the very nature of, of, uh, of God, uh, you can't sing this song. That with every breath, that you are so, so good. Because that's how he reveals himself. Uh, James puts it this way. Every good and perfect gift is from above. Coming down from the Father of heavenly lights. That when you see good, when you see love, God is wrapped up in that. When you see hate, when you see unkindness, when you see killing and stealing and destroying, that, that's, that's, that's not God. And so sometimes we've got to kind of separate these two realities and enter into this rail that God is perfectly good and he is perfectly kind. And you can get to this place when, when you, the more you begin to understand that you can sing this song, God, you are so, so very, very, very good. And you love me and you have been faithful in your nature of love. Now, God is in us, so God is good, God is kind, He is absolutely good, and He is absolutely kind, and God is in you. Uh, God is saturated in your being, and so every move you make, everything that goes on, uh, you, you have this kindness in you that, like the other traits that we talked about, you don't have to go searching for goodness or searching for kindness or searching for love or peace or patience, it's already in you. Paul said it this way, I myself am convinced my brothers and sisters, that you yourselves are full of goodness. So Paul says that you are full of goodness because God is good and God is kind and, and he is in you and, and you have a new heart. And this idea that you have an evil, corrupt heart, it doesn't understand the new covenant because God has given you a new heart and you are a new creation. And, and there is this idea that you are full of goodness. And all that uh, scripture is asking is that you release that in this world. This goodness and kindness that is saturating you because of the presence of God, just to release that wherever you are, the person you meet, the store you're in, the neighborhood, the school, whatever, you just, you just release that and just be kind and be good because that is who God is by nature. Now, kindness is super, super important. Uh, I mean, relationships are at the heart of what really matters here on this earth. And studies show that kindness is actually one of the most important things. And in, in a study of 37 cultures around the world, 16,000 subjects were asked about their most desirable, a desired trait in a mate. For both sexes, the first preference was, was kindness. I mean, if you just want to boost your marriage, just be more kind. I mean, if you're single looking for a partner, work on kindness. It's more important than looks or whatever else you can think of. Kindness is, is the most important thing. It's, it's not just for older folks, but even younger folks say this. I mean, re researchers got, you know, 2,700 college students from five countries to progressively narrow down which characteristics were most important to them in a lifetime mate. And the one that emerged from all cultures was, was kindness. I mean, the importance of kindness in your marriage, in, in, in your romantic partner, in your friendships, I mean, are you being kind? And, and there can be this tendency in marriage that, you know, the longer you're together with somebody, that that, that that kindness begins to dissipate a little bit and you get short and you get snappy and you're like, you should understand me and you should expect to know what I'm doing or whatever. 
That is not not good for a marriage. Be kind. Allow the presence of God, which is good and kind, just to continually flow out on your spirit on your spouse. And those marriages that just seem to last and last and last and last and last, you'll find that often they're just the kindest people. And they they found the secret, even if they know it or not, that good marriages are filled with people who are just, who are just kind to each other. That's what the scriptures tell us in Ephesians 4. The first thing in this verse, it says, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Or Colossians 3, therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourself with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. And, and so we want to clothe ourselves and just walk out this kindness wherever we are in, in this world. Now, when it comes to kindness, uh, you know, we might be tempted to say, now, where is kindness gone? It's, you know, it's getting worse. You know, uh, only 5% of people think the world is actually getting better. If you do a poll, you know, do you think the world is getting better? Only 5% of people actually think the world is getting better. But if you look kind of at the statistics, in, in an odd way, that 5% is actually right. That overall, if you look at things, our world is actually getting better. It is actually getting more kind. And lots of studies have shown this. I mean, uh, one PhD person, and this is a the book review, he says the central thesis of Better Angels is that our era is less violent, less cruel, more peaceful than any previous period in human history. People living now are less likely to meet a violent death or to suffer from violence or cruelty at the hands of others than people living in any previous century. And if you just kind of go through the stats, I don't know if you can see that, but we have way less extreme poverty today. We have much higher life expectancy today, way less deaths of children. We're way more literate in the world today. Uh, and it, it just, I mean, I mean, just think ago, it was not that long ago in human history where slavery was legal. It wasn't that long ago in history where a man could beat his wife legally with physical objects. I mean, it wasn't that long ago in history where, you know, people went to watch sporting events where two people would fight to the death and whoever, you know, killed the other would win. People were like, yeah, I mean, we're kind of getting better at the kindness thing if you look at overall, overall history. I mean, you just go back into the Old Testament and you realize like, oh man, I don't, I'm glad I don't live in that time because it was really unkind. I mean, you just read Judges 19 and 20. I think most of the kids are gone. It's kind of a rated R story, but the story of like, I mean, it's the crazy new things you see in cultures past. I mean, it, there's a story of this guy in Judges 19, and he's kind of traveling with his concubine, which, by the way, when you read concubine in the Bible, that really just means sex slave. <laughs> Concubines were essentially uh, sex slaves for whoever that concubine was for, most of the time, not always. Uh, but there's a guy with his sex slave uh, traveling through this little area called Benjamin, and he's like, you know, I'm just traveling, so I'm going to spend the night in, in the inner circle, the, the town square. And this other guy comes along and says, hey, why don't you stay at my house? You know, it's not good to stay in the, in the town square. I mean, that was kind of a kind act. And so he comes home, and, and, and as they're hanging out, eating dinner, there's a bunch of knocks on the door because this gang of men from the town bang on the door, and want to, they want to have sex with this guy. And it has nothing to do with, like, sexuality. It, I mean, having sex with a visitor had to do everything to do with humiliation in those days. It was a way of humiliating a visitor into their town. And, and he was like, no, I'm not going to do this. And so they, they throw out the sex slave, the concubine, and this group of men, they rape and ravish her and beat her up all night. And, 
And the weird story is, it seems like these two guys went to sleep because it says when they woke up in the morning, they went outside and there was the, the, the concubine lying there and the guy's like, you know, get up, let's, let's go. But she's dead, so she doesn't answer. And then he like chops her up into all these pieces and sends her to all these parts of Israel and then Israel gets really mad and they create this army and then they come and they come in and they kill everybody in that town, men, women, children, animals, and then they don't stop there. I mean, it goes on, it says the men of Israel went back to the land of Benjamin, they killed the people and all the animals in every city. They destroyed everything that they could find and burned every city they came to. I mean, I think we've got a little more kind than that these days. I mean, I mean <laughs> there are crazy things that happen in, the, in this world for sure. Uh, but, but this world by nature is, this is because, I mean, the, Jesus says the kingdom is advancing. And nothing can stand, the, 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 the gates of Hades can't stop the, the growth of the church as God's love in this world inside and outside the church. God is moving and this world is becoming more kind. So be careful that you don't fall in this trap where you just think well, the world is getting worse and worse and worse and worse. And the reason 95% of people think that has to do with the news. And there's lots of studies on this. Uh, that bad news stories outweigh good news stories 17 to 1. And we remember bad news stories far more than good news stories. And we spend so much time on social media and news that all these bad things stick and we rarely see good things. And so we just kind of assume the world is getting worse and people are getting more grumpy and unkind and, and there's more, you know, this world is about to end and Jesus is going to come back tomorrow because everything's getting so bad. That has a lot to do with our news intake. Um, but there are a lot of kind things out there. In fact, th this verse reminds me in Romans 12. It says, do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. This is the danger of the news. You can fall in this trap where you start to become overcome with evil and you, be, you end up in fear and this world is getting horrible and the, where's the power of the Holy Spirit and where's God's love at work because everything is getting horrible and, and worse and worse and more unkind. And, and re, but it just seems like that God's love is more powerful that, that, that we overcome evil with good, with kindness, with the power of the Holy Spirit and the work of the church in this, this world. In Philippians 4.8, and this is where helps us be more kind and helps us to see the goodness of God in this world is to fix your thoughts on the news and all the horrible things out there and all the problems that you see on social media and all the conflicts and arguments that people have. No, it says, fix your thoughts on what is true and honorable and right and pure and lovely and admirable. Think about things that are excellent and worthy of praise. I mean, when you just stop and look at all the amazing things that of love and kindness and goodness that, that God is doing within the church and, and God is even doing outside the church. I mean, it's like, man, there's a lot of good and kindness going on in this world. I don't know if you ever watch on, um, on YouTube, but they have these kindness reels. Instead of watching the news, you can just watch all these kindness acts and people doing these kind things. And it, it's amazing. It, it just takes a minute of watching this where just all of a sudden you're like, oh, this world is so horrible and everyone's so grumpy. It's like, wow, you, you begin to see the kingdom of God at work. And it's going to take about three minutes to watch one of these, these clips on YouTube just of some kind acts. And so we'll need the volume for this. This soccer fan came up with a unique set of hand gestures so that his deaf and blind friend could enjoy the game. The conductor was leading a rehearsal on his birthday when suddenly... 
20-year-old guy jumped out of a car in the middle of a highway to make way for an ambulance vehicle carrying a stroke patient and stuck in traffic. Mr. Corey Young has worked in his school for many years and considered this place his second home. The teachers and students decided to wish him a happy birthday and just check out his reaction. I'm being selected school related employee of the year. Wow. Can't thank you enough for all you do here for these trailblazers. Love you, Mr. And this elderly gentleman decided to cheer up his granddaughter who was preparing for exams. I'm sure that was the most delicious breakfast. Joseph and Eve have been together for 60 years. Due to COVID, they spent 215 days apart. And finally, they had a heartwarming reunion. You'll probably agree it's heartbreaking to see elderly people selling things on the streets or in an underpass. This kid set an example for all of us. Check this out. He's only little and yet he understands what it's like to help others. And this woman was alone on her birthday. None of her friends or family came to celebrate. Instead, she was supported by complete strangers, the restaurant staff. Watch how much Tom felt and appreciates his fans. It's one of those examples when the actor is the complete opposite of his character. When a person is seriously ill, the support from their loved ones is extremely important. Watch this guy shave his head in solidarity with his dad. And here's another example. This girl said goodbye to her hair that she's been growing for years in honor of her best friend. Anyways, we keep going on and on. I think it's like 11 minutes, but uh, <clears throat> you can watch those things and it just cheers you up. And, and those are examples of the fruit of goodness and kindness at work, and, um, and we're really spreading that out. Jesus put it this way, but to you who are willing to listen, meaning this is not easy, meaning this is one of those first things that we're like, yeah, I like to do all these other things in Christianity, but you know, not this. You know, I'll read my Bible and do devotions, but you know, no, 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 not this. But those who are willing to listen, those who really want to seek after Jesus and, and just experience what the fruit of the Spirit really is like, to those who are willing to listen, I say to you, Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who hurt you. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. 
If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great. And you will be truly acting as children of the Most High. For He is kind to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate just as your Father is compassionate. He is unkind to those who are unthankful and wicked. So he's obviously kind to you, because <laughs> I wouldn't put you in the kind of unthankful and wicked. And so if you're struggling just with God being kind, he is so kind. He is so kind that even those people we think he shouldn't be kind to, God is being kind to those who are unthankful and those, this is, this is the heart of God the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, full of goodness, full of kindness. And again, that's not far from you. He is in you. That goodness is, is actually in you. Now, kindness is really here. Now, here's a selfish reason to be kind. It's really good for you. Super healthy. Because, I mean, studies have shown that when you are kind to somebody, it actually releases oxytocin, which is like the feel-good chemical. And in fact, they've done studies. So if, if I'm kind to somebody and I don't even expect to be, get repaid, all of a sudden I'm going to have this feel-good chemical. And this person who receives the kindness, they start feeling good. And they also found that if you watch someone being kind, you also have an oxytocin release. So when we watch that video, it makes us feel good because our brain is releasing oxytocin. It's like God is saying in every way, be kind. Watch kind things, do kind things, receive kind things because it, 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 is, a, it is a good thing. And found in teens, teens that have put to practice kindness, they have found that they are less they have less depression and suicide. They're less in, less in, they have less involvement in risky behavior. They're less likely to fail in school. They have increased self-esteem. They're, they have a greater social competence and they're happier and more engaged. I mean, God has just wired this into us to be kind. And I think Jesus actually said something about this. Now, Jesus himself said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. I mean, there is something that just, it brings joy. And, and, and if you just want to be selfish all the time, I mean, it's funny, the, the, the way to happiness is the very opposite we think. I mean, sometimes we think, if I want to be happy, I just got to do things my way, and I got to kind of be selfish, and it's going to be my time and my way, and I'm just going to think about myself and focus in on myself, and it's going to be all about, you know, what I want to do. It actually kind of makes you grumpy, or at least makes me grumpy. But when I go do things for people, and I bless people, it is amazing how much joy it brings you. Now, Jesus said it's better to give than receive. It is really, really good for us. So in the end, we want to practice kindness. And Galatians 6 says, whenever we have the opportunity, we should do good to everyone, especially to those in the family of faith. And it starts here. And it's the way we practice kindness. We start here is that we're kind to each other. And we're very different some of you are older, some of you are younger, different generations. Some of you are richer, some of you are poor, different economic stats. We have lots of different kinds of theologies in here. And, and yet, we, we, this is our family. This is what we, and it's like, be kind to one another. Practice kindness one another with another, one another. And so one of the questions I think that is just healthy to ask is, how can I practice kindness today? 
when you leave this place, when we're interacting with each other and when you're walking in this world because this is what the fruit of the Spirit is. And I just want to finish with one more video and then we'll be done. Just a, an illustration of, of kindness. I want to focus on that wonderful concept, that vital virtue that unfortunately and regrettably is often forgotten the virtue of kindness, being kind. I want you to hear a story. 20 years ago, I drove a cab for a living. When I arrived at 2.30 in the morning, the building was dark except for a single light in a ground floor window. Under these circumstances, many cab drivers would just honk once or twice, wait a minute, then drive away. But I had seen too many impoverished people who depended on taxis as their only means of transportation to drive away. Unless the situation smelled of danger, I always went to the door. So I walked to the door and knocked. Just a moment, answered a frail, elderly voice. After a long pause, the door opened. A small woman in her 80s stood before me. By her side was a small nylon suitcase. Would you carry that, this bag out to the car for me, she said. I took the suitcase out and returned to assist the woman. She took my arm and walked slowly toward the curb. She kept thanking me for my kindness. Oh, it's nothing, I told her. I just try to treat all my passengers the way I would want my mother treated. When we got in the cab, she gave me an address. Then she said, oh, by the way, could you drive uh, through downtown? It's not the shortest way. Oh, I, I don't mind. Uh, I'm, I'm in no hurry. I'm on my way to a hospice. I looked in the rearview mirror and her eyes were glistening. I, I don't have any family left, she said almost to herself. The doctor says I don't have very long. I quietly reached over and shut off the meter. What route would you like me to take? For the next two hours, we drove all around the city. She showed me the building where she had once worked as an elevator operator. We drove through the neighborhood where she and her husband had lived when they were newlyweds. She had me pull up in front of a furniture warehouse that had once been a ballroom where she had gone dancing as a girl. Sometimes she'd ask me to slow down in front of a particular building or corner. She would sit staring into the darkness, saying nothing. As the first hint of sun was creasing the horizon, she suddenly said, Okay, I'm ready. Let's go now. We drove in silence to the address she had given me. It was a low building, two orderlies, came out to the cab as soon as we pulled up they were solicitous and intent watching her every move they were expecting her I opened the trunk took out the small suitcase carried it to the door the woman was already seated in a wheelchair how much do I owe you she asked no you don't owe me anything I said oh you have to make a living she answered oh there are other passengers I responded Almost without thinking, I bent over and gave her a hug. and She held on to me tightly. 
You gave an old woman a little bit of joy, she said. Thank you. I squeezed her hand, then walked into the dim morning light. Behind me, a door shut. It was the sound of the closing of a life. I drove aimlessly, lost in thought for the rest of the day. I could hardly talk. What if that woman had gotten in an, an angry driver earlier that morning, or one who was impatient? What if I had refused to take the run, or had honked once and driven away? On a quick review, I don't think I have done anything more important in all my life. I love that story. It sort of helps me allow life to make up its mind again. You need to remember that story. The times you will want to be anything but kind. Because it is so much easier to bear a grudge and hate in return or get back or get even. Hate destroys the vessel it's kept in. Revenge never healed a wound. There's one thing all of us have in common, we've been mistreated by somebody. Some of you have known abuse, misunderstanding, and all of this has a way of siphoning your tank of kindness. It can make you hard, and you can get on with hard. You, you can get along with it. In fact, some will even respect you more, because you're tough. But I urge you not to be. Be kind, tender-hearted, forgiving one another. When I'm truly free of revenge and bitterness, there is plenty of room in my heart left for kindness. And not until. Do what's right do justice, love kindness, walk humbly with your God.